Welcome to the Eastern Hills Audio Podcast. We exist to help as many people as possible take their next step towards finding community and following Christ. Maybe you've got questions about Jesus. Maybe you're good with Jesus, just not his church. Maybe you're feeling disconnected and want to reconnect. We think you'll find our messages both helpful and hopeful. So enjoy. You know, I'm really excited for week two of this series. But before we start today, I want to give you a reminder about something I'm pumped about. Freedom Sunday coming up on July 4th. As you know, this year, 4th of July falls on a Sunday. So we thought we would do something unique. And since we haven't had baptisms here at this church since March 15th, 2020, we have been waiting for this for quite some time. And so that day we're going to gather outdoors. And so maybe you've been watching online and you feel more comfortable engaging on site, outside, we'd love to have you. Service will be at 10.30 a.m. We'll do a couple of uh, songs. We're going to baptize a few folks and then we're going to connect and have some barbecue together. Now that's also the mark of our new service time. From that day forward, we're going to be gathering on site at 10.30 a.m. each week. And the reason why we're doing that is to provide some opportunity to connect over the summer. One of the things that we should do on church at church is when a new family comes, new people come, let's invite them to lunch. And so so if service is getting out at 1130, hey, let's go grab a bite to eat together. That would be awesome. And then on August 1st and September 4th, the first Sunday of July, first Sunday of August, first Sunday of September, we have our connection lunches after church. Looking forward to that. And then throughout the summer, service time is going to be 1030 a.m. on site all the way up to September 19th, uh, which is when we're going to launch two services once again, 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. So pumped for Freedom Sunday. Looking forward to it. Now, last week we kicked off this series, Summer Baggage. And baggage is something that we've all got. We've all got things in our past. You know, we, like I said last week, maybe someone has said before, they've got baggage. And the thing that's true about baggage is that baggage can make or break a trip. Just like baggage in your life can make or break certain seasons that you're experiencing. What we choose to bring with us or what we choose not to bring with us will significantly impact our future destination. Now there are some things in our life that we're aware of when it comes to the baggage. We just don't want to deal with. And then there are some things that are true about us that we're not quite aware of that we haven't yet discovered. And so over the past, uh, over the next few weeks, we're looking at the Israelites' sojourn out of Egypt, out of captivity, and into the promised land. And what Moses is trying to help God's people understand is that the baggage that they're bringing with them, the things that are true about them, and the things that their ancestors experienced in the wilderness will either be a bridge to what God wants to do in them and through them, or it will serve as a barrier. Take a look at Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8, verse 2 with me now. I'm going to read it for you. It says, this is Moses, and if you're not familiar with Deuteronomy, Exodus gives us the play-by-play of the account of the Israelites exiting Egypt, and then Deuteronomy gives us the, the commentary. Hey, this is, this is Moses uh, remarking, uh, giving some words of wisdom to the next generation. He says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble... And to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Now, as soon as I said this word test and the idea of God testing us, for some people, that might create some angst. 
And if you're the type of person that would say, the idea of God testing us just bothers me, then today you're going to find it both helpful and hopeful. The message will set you free from some of the things that you may believe about God that simply aren't true. And if you're the type of person that has given up on religion, faith, and Christianity because you feel like it's just a lifelong series of tests that you're never going to pass, well, I hope today you are set free from, from that thinking. And if you've ever asked the question in a hard season, is God testing me? What is happening right now? The answer to that question might just transform your relationship with a God that loves you profoundly. So hang in with me for the next 25 minutes as we talk about this subject and what it means that God tests us. Let's pray. God, as I open up your word today, help my words to be clear. I pray that the Holy Spirit would move within all of those that are listening or watching or hearing this message, that your truth would be clear and that we would have the courage to grab hold of it and to consider who we are in light of what we know to be true about you. And we pray these things in the power of your son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, if you've ever uh, been on Facebook before and seen one of those tests that, you know, it says something along the lines of have you, <laughs> which character do you identify with or which animals do you identify with or, you know, what president are you? Uh, I found one recently and it said, which Ninja Turtle are you? And having grown up in the 90s, I thought, yes, I will click on that. And so I took the test, and what it said is that the Ninja Turtle that I'm most like is Leonardo, which was, you know, the blue-masked uh, ninja with the sword. And I don't have boys at home, actually. <laughs> I've got three princesses at home. And so naturally, the type of test that they would have had me take is... Which Disney princess are you? And so curious minds want to know which princess uh, Pastor Rob is. Here we go. It's uh, Princess Penelope Von Sweets from Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, great movie. My kids love this movie. But, you know, I'm starting to doubt the accuracy of these tests because I also took the which celebrity do you look like tests. And here are the results. We look just like one another, right? You know, I'm not sure what algorithms that they use in these tests. Maybe it's similar to the you know, presidential election predictions, <laughs> the bottom line is not accurate. Uh, but there's one more test that we have to take together today. And this is so important because it's scientifically proven to be extremely accurate. In fact, if you're looking to truly discover more about yourself, look no further than jelly beans. That's right. Uh, there's something about you that can be discovered based on the jelly bean that you choose of your liking. So um, I chose, I uh, just went in and I looked at the jelly beans and the jelly bean that came out that I was drawn to is the pink jelly bean. And so because I have the pink jelly bean, this is what the pink jelly bean says about me. It says that I can be a skilled brown noser that I will volunteer to do a little bit more if I can get something in return. Ouch, that kind of stings a little bit. Um, if you are the type of person that is uh, drawn to the white jelly bean, you are the person that likes control or a lot of praise. Or if you like the black jelly bean, uh, you're the type of person that's enthusiastic or playful and often disrupts meetings because you don't want to pay attention to what's happening going on. Uh, the yellow jelly bean, you're a thinker, you're independent. Um, the orange jelly bean, this is funny. You like to dress well and also you like to hoard. 
Again, these, these tests, who knows if they're accurate. Violet, uh, you're, you're a needy person and you have a hard time dealing with structure. Uh, green jelly bean folk, you're a peacemaker, and I love this. You like to take the black jelly bean crowd and the white jelly bean crowd and get people to do your projects. Uh, and then the last one is the red jelly bean. And if you like the red jelly bean, you are an extremely frustrating person to work with, according to this personality test. And, uh, you know, the reason why I don't think this is right is because Steve and our, one of our guys on our production team grabbed the red jelly bean. And uh, I love working with Steven. So clearly the results of these tests cannot be trusted, but there's something that I want us to drive home uh, and understand today and that there are many types of tests, but we're drawn to the type of tests that help us discover something that is true about us. That's why we click on these things because there's something within us that says, I want to understand the way I am, why I'm wired the way, why I think that way, why I respond this way in certain situations. And see, there are many types of tests, but two types of tests that I want to talk about today is the type of test where you have to prove yourself, where I'm trying to prove myself, or test number two, which is the type of test where you're trying to understand yourself. The type of tests that fall into this category are exams in school, uh, tests that help us advance professionally, or maybe we're, we're being audited. You wanna, <laughs> that would be fun. The, uh, the, these are the type of questions that I asked my wife when I was dating her. You know, I, I asked her a series of questions. First question, first date, what is the gospel? No pressure, right? Uh, and she still married me. But the question behind the questions and tests associated with uh, those that are in this camp of trying to prove, one's, prove oneself is, am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? And, and those, those responses can sting a little bit. And so we don't particularly enjoy those type of tests. But the tests that are in this category where we're trying to understand ourselves are not pass or fail. They're not right or wrong. Uh, strength finders is a popular test. Uh, Myers-Briggs, uh, a new one I took this week, you know, discover your working genius or the jelly bean test, right? Uh, but when it comes to God, so many people get stuck here that they associate a relationship with God or approach towards religion or faith or Christianity as needing to prove yourself to God. And the question that might haunt you in your past when it comes to your upbringing and your relationship with God is that you constantly are asking this question, am I good enough for him? Am I good enough for God? Am I worthy enough for him? I don't know what your experience was like when you went and got your driver's license. Some people it goes well, some people not so much. But if you recall, you get in the car and this complete stranger sits in the passenger seat with a clipboard monitoring and telling you what to do. And the entire time you're thinking, oh, did I, did I signal correctly? Did I come to a complete stop or was I going too fast? And is this guy or this woman going to pass me? Well, what's the result going to be? And for some of us, that's how we've equated our relationship with God. That God is in the passenger seat, just taking notes as we drive along. And we're just convinced that when we pull up to the DMV or when we pull up to heaven, it's going to be a fail. And today I want to set you free from that thinking. That if we think about the baggage that we have in our life, the things that are in our past, when things that we believe to be true about God that are simply not true, my hope today is that we are set free from that thinking. My hope today is that you walk away convinced that God is for you and that that person in the passenger seat is not someone that is against you. And it's not a stranger. It's someone that has created you and that he is for you. And if we make this shift in thinking and understanding that God is not 
not testing us that we need to prove ourselves to him, that he is testing us to help us discover something about ourselves, which is that we need more and more of him. In fact, that person in the passenger seat loves you so much that he died for you. And so if we can embrace this thinking, it will serve as a bridge to where God wants to lead us and the things that he wants to do through us. So listen again to what Moses said. Moses said, remember, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness, not part of the way, all the way, these 40 years. That's a long time. To humble, and what's the word there? To test you. But why did he test you? In order that you would know what was in your heart. God already knew what was in the heart of the Israelites, but he needed them to discover their need to trust him, to give their lives over to him. He wanted the God's people to draw other people to himself. There would be this light in the darkness, but what they would discover is that they would not trust him time and time again. So eventually what they would come to understand is that they can't save themselves, that there would have to be somebody else pointing their way to a savior, pointing their way to a Messiah. Because the simple truth is, is that we will not keep his commands 100% of the time, that we will miss the mark, but there is one who never missed the mark. And so when Moses says, Remember, what's he referring to? Well, there are several accounts in the sojourn through the wilderness in which God's people experienced this type of test where they discovered something that was true about them. And so the one that we're going to look at this morning is found in Exodus chapter 16, uh, verses 1 through 5. And it says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of sin. Sounds like Vegas, but it's not which is between Elam Elam and and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. It's been a month and a half. In context, these people had been in captivity for 400 years. And after 45 days of freedom, they're already complaining. We had it better. You know, I don't remember everything, but, you know, 45 days ago when I was a slave, things were so much better. I mean, you would have thought there was a honeymoon phase. Nope, they're already complaining and grumbling. Uh, The Israelites said to them, if only we had died uh, by the Lord's hand in Egypt. So this is a whole other level of grumbling when you start to say, you know what? I'd rather be dead, Moses. I would rather be dead than follow you. There we sat around the pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. You did this to us. Nothing about the slave drivers that he set them free from. Nothing about that. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. That's convenient. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And in this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my destructions. Again, it's not pass or fail. It's helping them discover that they're not always going to trust God and that there's consequence about them. And they need to understand this about themselves. He says, on the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. This is describing this this bread-like substance that they would gather. Uh, And the reason why God is choosing to do this is that the Israelites were being tested to see if they could be trusted. Listen again to what he says. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. That's the test. Why is he testing them? Listen, the Israelites were tested to see if they could be trusted. Would they trust that God was going to 
provide. Would they discover that the person in the driver's seat or the passenger seat was for them? Now, C.S. Lewis, you know, who gave us the great books, uh, Chronicles of, of Narnia, he was an apologist and, and great Christian thinker, talks about the fact that we can't understand sleep while we're sleeping. We can only understand sleep while we're awake. And that sometimes we need to, in the same way, experience the consequences of our choices after that they've happened. And that we can't fully understand the choices that we're making and how they harm our relationship with God and others while we're making those choices. Sometimes it takes us to take a step back and to say, oh, I could see how that was harmful. And so really, God in the passenger seat is less like that DMV exam person and more like a loving parent who gives their, their children permission to fail. Because we've experienced this. When our parents let the rope go a little bit and we fall short of their boundaries and their expectations, we discover something about ourselves. And in those moments, we discover wisdom, wisdom that serves as the foundation for lifelong experiences. And that's what God is doing through the Israelites in this moment as he tests them, as he helps them discover something about themselves. And so the story now continues, Exodus 16, uh, verse 11, if you want to follow along. It says, The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. Uh, grumbling. <laughs> it's interesting that when we grumble, we choose to grumble in groups. When's the last time that you grumbled alone? Like, oh, life is miserable, you know, by yourself. No, we, we like to uh, grumble with other people. It's, it's better that way. I can't, you know, when you walk into an office and there's a group of people uh, standing around talking, uh, when's the last time you heard everybody saying, you know what, I just, I am just so grateful for life. I'm grateful for the clothes on my back and I'm grateful for uh, upper management. They're just doing a great job and uh, I'm grateful for the lunch that I'm about to have. You know, I'm just so, so, so grateful. No, more times than not, it's, uh, you know, if they could put on the AC on around here or, you know, if this, when they're going to just abandon this whole mass thing and, you know, uh, you know, I just I wish they would communicate to us more. More times than not, those are the type of conversations that we're having. It's so interesting that we drift towards grumbling, and we often do it in groups. And so it was for the Israelites. That evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appear on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, was, uh, what is it? For they did not know what it is. And so Moses says to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. He has provided this. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take a nomer for each person you have in your tent. So the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, they one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Here's the key. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. And so then Moses says to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, <laughs> there's a big however, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots, and it began to smell. So Moses, of course, 
very angry with them. And each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. And on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came in, reported this to Moses. He says to them, this is what the Lord has commanded you. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever's left and keep it until morning. And so they saved it until morning, as Moses commanded. And it did not stink or get maggots in it. And then Moses said, eat it today, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, however, here we go again. Some of the other people went, on the seventh, went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. And then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the people of Israel called the bread manna. And it was like coriander seed, coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. So it tasted good. And this is what Moses said. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it. Here's the key for the generations to come. That what we have just experienced should not be a barrier. That this baggage, this experience that we're bringing with us can serve as a bridge to what God wants to do in our life. Keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. And then he repeats himself. And whenever he repeats himself, it's important to zero in. It says, so Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it. Then place it before the Lord to be kept once again for the generations to come. Here's the thinking here. This is about what God is doing. This is about what we're discovering about ourselves. This is what is we need to understand. If we're going to thrive where God is leading us, then this reality, this thing, this event, this experience should serve as a bridge to what God is going to do next. We need to remember from this day forward that in this moment, we fail to trust God. And what God showed us is that that's our gravitational pull. We'll think God won't provide. God won't show up. And what this story reminds us is that he always shows up. He never leaves us. And God always, always provides. So Moses says, this is what you need to know about you. This is what you need to know about God. You see, we've all discovered this. This is true of life. We can either grumble or be grateful, but we can't be both. Now I'd sting a little bit. It did for me this week. I uh, had to send some text messages out before I got up here to preach this week and apologize because I had been doing some, some grumbling. There's a speaker and, and thinker, Brene Brown, who has done some research, and what she's found is that resilient people, meaning those that have endured hardships or trials, had one consistent habit, gratitude. She found that resilient people are grateful people, or grateful people are resilient people. And so you've probably heard it said before that gratitude is an attitude, and this is true. And this is what God was trying to help the Israelites understand. But he was teaching something that's also true, that gratitude is shaped through 
solitude. Gratitude is shaped from this time of stopping what we're doing and getting away. You see, within us, there's this temptation to always focus on what we don't have instead of what we do have. Within us, something that we need to discover about ourselves is that something within us wants to focus on what we don't know about God, which is often his plans, what happens next, instead of what we do know about God, which is that he will always be there and he will always provide and he will always give us exactly what we need when we need it. And if you're like me, that does not come natural. It's, it's a discipline to get away and take time to stop working, to rest, and to consider who God is. You see, that's the purpose of the Sabbath. In context of everything going on is this reminder of the importance of a Sabbath day to stop, rest, and reflect, to develop that rhythm, to remember God's provision, to remember who he is. You see, gratitude is shaped through solitude, getting away and being with God. I ask you this question. How often have you not been grateful for being restful? When was the last time you had a conversation? How was that vacation? How was that trip? Oh, awful. Just got a lot of rest. It's terrible. <laughs> no. When you, when you have time, you get away and you recover. Oh, so good. I got so much rest. I, just, I feel energized and I'm happy and I'm just full of discontentment and peace and just walking. You know, when someone comes back from a, from a vacation of rest, there's this uh, there's pep in their step. Like, oh, okay. Like this makes sense. Like I was wired this way to discover that my that I need this in my life. <laughs> Recently, uh, this past week weekend, we were putting together a swing set in our backyard with some some friends, and some of the neighborhood girls had come in the backyard and they were excited and seeing it assembled. And my friend uh, or my daughter and her friend sat in lawn chairs to watch the workers work. <laughs> And they're, we're bored. When is this going to get done? And I, I said to the, one of the gals, I said, you know, there's going to come a time in your life when you're an adult where you're going to want to be bored, where you're going to be grateful for having nothing to do. And she laughed. And the funny thing was is that the kids couldn't stay still and they were active that entire weekend and playing so hard that come Sunday afternoon and then early Monday morning, our kids were grumbling. They were not pleasant to be around. Why? Because they were exhausted. You see, it's easy to grumble when you're exhausted. And it's easier to be grateful when you've got rest. And so God is choosing to leverage this set of circumstances with the Israelites to help them discover something about themselves. Not to prove something about themselves, but to discover their need to depend on God, and that this isn't going to come natural to them. They're going to have to carve out intentionality to focus on who he is, that he's always there, he always shows up, and he always provides. That's why Moses said, let's put this thing in the jar. Let's remember this. Let's take this with us. Let it be a bridge to where we're going. Now, if you resonate with the Israelites and you're thinking to yourself, yep, I got stuff to work on. I have been grumbling, and I need to work on gratitude. Here's some good news. The test that the Israelites failed, Jesus passed. And the test that we have failed, Jesus passed. The test of the Israelites placing their faith and confidence that God would provide, you know what the truth is, is that this would be a, a perpetual cycle of rebellion for the Israelites, that time and time again they would fall short. And so God helped them discover, you can't do this on 
you, on your own. You need Jesus, and he would send Jesus. And the same way in our own life, when God puts opportunities in our path to trust him and to choose his way and we fall short, it reminds us, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I don't naturally choose to be grateful all the time. It's easier for me to grumble. But the truth is that when Jesus came and he served, he passed every single test along the way. Uh, Matthew tells us in his gospel, um, then Jesus was led by the Spirit on our behalf into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights, he was hungry. Makes sense. That's quite a long time to go without food. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. You've got power. You've got authority. Just provide for yourself. And so Jesus' response was this. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word. And this is the word that I want us to pick up on that comes from the mouth of God. It's a promise that he will provide everything that we need and that what we need is truly found in the word of God. Because the word of God tells us the truth is we're not good enough, but Jesus is. And so as we sit in the car, the vehicle with God, and, and he's in the passenger seat, the truth is, regardless of what his clipboard says and regardless of the exam, the truth is, you know, if the expectation is righteousness and holiness and perfection, we fall short. We're not going to pass that test. But the good news is that Jesus did. And so regardless of our marks on the exam, that when we pull up to heaven, you know, the, the DMV of the, the afterlife, is that Jesus is Mark, is the only one that matters. And even though we missed the mark, Jesus didn't. He passed every test that we could not pass. And that when we fall short, what God wants us to see is, we need Jesus. We're not meant to do this life on our own, that we need more and more of him, that in him we find meaning. In him we find purpose and satisfaction. Jesus said it this way, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. Occasionally, no, never. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Let's consider this last test. Going back to the jelly beans, because they taste so good. There's a test that they will give to people to see what happens um, when they put a jelly bean in their mouth and with their, their nostrils closed. And what they're trying to discern is whether they have lost their sense of taste or sense of smell. And so you'll put the jelly bean in your mouth with your nose closed. And they'll say, describe what you're experiencing I think it's sweet, it's soft, it's crunchy. And then they'll say, release your nose. And then you smell it, and the flavors come. Now, if you can't smell, then they're going to say, you haven't lost your sense of taste, you've lost your sense of smell. If, if that experience in your mouth hasn't changed, then that's the issue. And I share this test because it's true about what happens apart from Jesus. That when we fall short and we experience hardships and we experience adversity, apart from Jesus, we're going to miss it. But once Jesus comes into our life, we see he's the one that can sustain us. He's the one that helps us to discover true and meaningful love and peace and the things that we long for. That there's something that God put within us to go on a discovery quest. And that discovery quest is to lead us to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 
And so just like last week, I ended with an invitation to abandon some baggage that serves as a barrier in our life. And so this week, I want us to abandon religious thinking. Religious thinking constantly is asking the question, is God testing me? Is he doing this because I have some unrepented sin in my life or something that, that he's trying to, to prove uh, to me? That, that type of thinking will, will be a barrier in your relationship with God. That's not saying that God is for you, that he's fighting against you. He already knows everything in your heart. He already knows everything that's true about you, but he does want you to discover something that you haven't discovered about yourself. And so I want us to embrace a new way of thinking, a gospel-rooted thinking, a life that is centered around a question and it says this, do I trust Jesus who was tested for me? And it's not natural. It takes discipline. It takes intentionally carving out a day of the week to set aside and to change my thinking and to focus on who God is and all that he has given and provided to me to foster up a, a posture of gratitude and, and saying, you know what? This is who he is and this is who I am and I do need him. And so we want to abandon the way of thinking and saying, you know what? I'm just going to grumble. I'm going to focus on the things that I don't have. Because you know what that's going to lead us to is this discovery quest of always saying, you know what, something's missing. Something is broken. I'm not happy. I'm bitter. I'm upset. I'm frustrated. And you sit in this posture of grumbling, and you, you never find that, that meeting that you're searching for, that purpose that you're discovering, that God wants you to discover. So we want to abandon grumbling. <laughs> we want to pick up a new posture, a new way of thinking, which is to be grateful and to focus on what we do know to be true about God. And we want to focus on all that we do have because of God. And we want to ask the question in this season, yes, I do have adversity. And yes, I want these circumstances to change. And yes, I want him to lead me to that destination that I think he's leading me to. But in that gap, as there is something that I'm waiting for or whatever's coming next, will I choose to fill in the gap with this powerful question? Do I trust Jesus who was tested for me, the one who passed every single test, the one that fulfills me as I spend time in his word? Do I trust that Jesus? Let me tell you why it's worth it. The moment that you abandon this baggage that serves as a barrier and you pick up this baggage that serves as a bridge, here's what happens. That bridge opens up, that barrier comes down, and Jesus leads the way. And that's what we're going to pick up next week. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful uh, for your grace and mercy because if we're honest, we see ourselves in the Israelites falling short of trusting you. And so thank you for the reminder through Matthew and John that Jesus passed all of the tests and that your grace and mercy is sufficient. We don't want to hang in our past. We want to learn from our past to experience this future that you have for us more of who you are and less and less of the lack of trust that will lead us to disappointment and frustration and grumbling. God, help us this week. Help us to identify those things that we're grumbling about and help us to focus on who you are and all that you've provided and all that you've promised to accomplish. We pray these things in the power of your son, Jesus Christ's name. We're going to close out today with one more song, and I want to invite you to, to engage with us. And like I said, we're so looking forward to what's coming up in the life of Eastern Hills in the weeks to come. If you have any questions about today's message or you just want to connect, even if it's for virtual coffee, send me an email, and I'd love to make that happen.
Let's sing together. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. If so, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast. For more information about Eastern Hills, please check out easternhills.org. We would love to pray for you. Email your request to office at easternhills.org. If you would like to donate to the ministry of Eastern Hills, click the donate button in the upper right-hand corner of our website. We look forward to connecting with you again next week. Take care. God bless.